pulling out of scripture what James is saying to the original audience and how it applies to our life 2,000 years later. So yes, we will be talking about the controversial passage of James 2, 14 through 26, that faith without works is dead. And so come on out to see what God's word really means about that passage and so much more Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Are you trying to find out where you can listen to more Open Door Baptist Church teachings, sermons, things of that nature? Well, look no further. Go ahead and join Rumble. Rumble is this platform where you can see on this phone and, and see by this logo right down here. Just go to Google Play Store, App Store, whatever store it is, you could get your digital apps and download this and find us at OD Baptist on Rumble. This is one of the major platforms that we use to push out all of our content. You can still find us on Facebook and YouTube, a little bit on Instagram, uh, Sermon Audio as well. Don't forget about them. But go ahead and download Rumble. Follow us on uh, that platform at OD Baptist to get all of our teachings, sermons, messages, things like that. We'll see you over there. Here at Open Door Baptist Church, we take pride in our diamond ministry. You see, the diamonds are a group of people that are age 50 or older. And this ministry really just centers around a group of people that love on each other, pray for each other, have great times of fellowship. And there's two main events that happen every single month. Basically, the first one happens typically the third Friday of every month at 6 p.m. here at the church. And what this is, is we call this our diamond dinner. For those age 50 or above, you don't have to be a member of the church. Just come on out here and have a wonderful meal and a time of fellowship with our resident chef's will, uh, owner and purveyor, I guess purveyor, of Grumpy Dog, as well as our resident chef, Russ. Are we live, Gabe? Can you hear me okay on there? Am I scratchy or anything with the headset? You see, the other day I made a list. You know, I was... I asked, I asked y'all, you know, hey, what do we want to do when we get back from the Christmas break and, and back into growth groups again? And uh, I got crickets. So I ended up, you know, coming across a list not that long ago. And, and it's based on that list that I was like, I feel impressed to sort of do a study on what, what I found out and put together. And so I want to read off some things. Our church locally is made up of a diverse group of individuals. There's a lot of differences with us. We have people that have church upbringing. People like myself that have a worldly upbringing. We have dual parent families, single parent families, married, single, divorced, blended family, new marriages, antiquated marriages, happy marriages, stressful marriages, young adults, elderly adults, nominal believers, committed disciples, People that love their job, people that want a new job, people that are learning, uh, beginning to learn the Bible, people that have studied the Bible for decades, stay-at-home parents, working parents, people that have prodigal children, serving children, young children, adult children. We have extroverts. We have introverts. We have people with a lot of friends. We have people that it's hard to make friends. We have people that are overcomers, people that are defeatists. We have people that are wanting to grow, and sometimes we have people just waiting for a wanna to be over. We have former pastors, ministry leaders, and we have new and young believers as well. Not specifically talking about people here tonight per se, but in our growth group classes, this is typically a breakdown of the various differences that we all share amongst one another. And it's because of that I was like, I want to go ahead and do a series where we can look at our differences and how diverse we are and how can we use this in a unified effort for the kingdom of God, to, for the glory of God, and for the benefit and edification of others. And so that's why I came up with this series. It's called Ing. Ing. Now, interesting thing about Ing is the fact when I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I came across this video study and the title was Is. I-S is. I was hmm, that's kind of intriguing, you know? And so I ended up looking into it and didn't really care much about it. And so I got to thinking and looking at these differences. I was like, huh, ing. I think that's pretty interesting. Anybody else think it's interesting of the title of ing? It's hard. Pastor Mike, it's difficult to try to come up with titles, right? It is difficult. You know, sometimes they're provocative, sometimes they're intriguing, but that's the title that I came up with. And so what I want to do is I, I want to step through 
since we have six weeks until Easter. And so we can have a six-week series up until a clean Easter break where we will revisit and probably get into a book study after that. You know, we just finished up James, and, and I'm looking towards uh, possibly the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, but we'll be praying about that. And so for the six weeks that we have, I want to look at how can we maintain our unity even though we have such a diverse group of people. And so before we even go farther, we need to go ahead and explain what is ing? What is ing? So I'm not a grammarian. I know Pastor Ken has a uh, minor in English, but I use words every day and I know how to use the internet to Google stuff. And so what I found out was that ing is basically a suffix that's added on to the end of a word that turns that verb into what's known as a present tense participle. Participle, just the ending, whether it's ing or ed, it changes the verb. And then the verb being given this ing means that it's a continual state of existence. It's something that is currently occurring. For instance, if you were to add ing to the end of run, you're not talking about a run. Now, if you mention running, you're doing something that I despise, and I haven't done it in like three and a half years since I retired from the military, but you are probably running uh, out there. Maybe you're talking about running thoughts through your head, but the ING gives you the idea that something is moving along at the present moment. The same thing with the verb eating. You could take eat, turn it into eating, and now you're eating some sort of food. Hopefully it's something delicious. Maybe it's like liver and onions that your mom made you eat when you were growing up uh, year after year, no matter how much ketchup you put on it, couldn't get the taste of liver out of your mouth. So maybe it's that. Or maybe it's the verb smell. And as we learned this morning, some people are smelling things uh, that maybe they shouldn't, but because we're men, we just smell it. And we want other people to enjoy the smell of that interesting smell with us. And so I'm with you, Pastor Mike. I do that a lot. I'm not going to say all the time, but I do it a lot. It's like, huh, that's interesting. What is that? And so what I want to do is I want to look at this suffix. And I want to learn how we can take these verbs that we're going to go through, six particular verbs, and how we can use them in a church setting, in a local body setting. That way we can have unity, even though we're so very different from one another. And so with that, I want to open up in Acts 17. We're going to find our passage for this evening in verse 24 onward. Paul writes, or Luke writes about Paul. Paul says, God that had made the world and all things therein, seeing that he hath Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he need anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath in all things and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might fill after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. You see, out of this passage, I want to look at at least three aspects of being. And I think this passage somewhat articulates our being. So what is being? If the verb be simply means exist, to exist, being is our state of existence. In other words, why do you exist? Why does this podium exist? Why does this laptop exist? Well, what I want to get through tonight is I want to explain the fact that this podium, just like this podium has a purpose to hold these things up, and this laptop has a purpose of being functional and be able to look at stuff and create documents and search the internet, stuff like that. Our existence has a very specific purpose in the role of God. And with our being, I want to look at three ways of our existence, three things of our existence. Okay? And so, in other words, our state of existence, first off, is because of Jesus. And I just want to start right there, basic foundations, based off of this passage. Our state of existence is solely because of Jesus. We're told here in Acts chapter 17 that it is Jesus, he giveth to all life and breath 
in all things. You see, the Apostle John tells us in John chapter 1, verse number 3, that all things were made by him. And we know in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that the Word became flesh. So we know the Word is talking about Jesus Christ. And so here, John 1, 3 says, all things were made by him, by Jesus Christ. Then we get not only from John's gospel, we get to Paul's epistle in Colossians chapter 1.16. Again, talking specifically about Jesus here, he says, For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. So this first part we need to get across is the fact that we have our sole existence, our life, our breath, the fact that you're here cognizant of certain things and functioning is all because of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of this, with all of our existence, I want to share a little bit and talk a little bit more about our differences that we share. I've read off a long list of things that I put together as far as what makes up our church body. We have a lot of differences, right? But I want to park for a minute and I want to see what other differences we have. Because with these other differences, I want to carry them forward the next five weeks as we go through this and so feel free to chat discuss whatever let me know where did you grow up you've lived in Prattville your whole life I'm sorry <laughs> you go travel see the world or something come on 4.0 did you like it though good good anyway <laughs> Sharon fist bump <laughs> Anybody else, where'd you grow up? Memphis. Did you come away without being shot in Memphis? Yeah. What's the highest murder rate, Memphis or Chicago? We win. <laughs> 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 <Man>, Prattville. <laughs> Memphis. What else? Anybody else? St. Louis, Missouri. Who? Festus. Okay, so you just claim St. Louis, huh? Because it's bigger and popular, huh? All right. So, are you a hockey fan? Good. Good. St. Louis. Anybody else? Newcastle, that sounds so cool. Newcastle. You know, we did a genealogy research on Ancestry.com, and we found out that tracking my genealogy, my father and my mom and, and their family, and their, I have a crazy uncle that thought God told him to build like a 200-story building, and he ended up murdering somebody, and he was hung in the 1800s. But we found out that her family is nobility. Her family, one of those uncles was a governor of a castle. It was pretty interesting learning that. So we're all the wackos and she's all the nobility. So a little rural area. <laughs> yeah, opposites attract. Yeah. yeah, God has not told me to build a 200-story building. So yet. Yet. <laughs> Ralph Weyerbach. Newcastle. Anybody else? Anyone share? Michigan. Is Detroit worse than Chicago? He's like, yeah. The only thing I know about Michigan is it's got wolverines and snow. That's it. <laughs> All right. So I grew up in Clinton, Maryland. Anybody ever hear of Clinton, Maryland? All right. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's it's rough though. It's rough. Fort what? I've never heard of Fort Detroit. We were like 10, 15 minutes outside D.C. Oh, is it? Okay. Really? Yeah, there's... Oh, don't want to go back. So let me ask this. All right, so we're from different states, you know. Uh, Oscar, you f you're not from this country, though, right? You are from America. Okay, my, my bad. I miss... My bad. But we're from other countries, too, right? So from Mexico... And so it's neat seeing that different states, different regions, snow, warmth, country, and Newcastle, different countries. Well, let me ask you, okay, think about it. 
What was your favorite childhood memory? Have you ever thought about you No, know, what's your... Cody. Okay, did they win? Okay, Hosa playing? No, that was... Kelios time frame? <laughs> okay. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. Four point oh. Crimson Tide game, huh? Man, we got hockey, we got football. Did you get to hear Nick Saban cuss? <laughs> what I hear, that's what he does. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's neat. You know, any other great memories? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's excellent. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. See, th so many things we take for granted, you know? So thanks for sharing that, Zari. So being able to go to school. Excellent. Anybody else? One of my favorites is picking potato bugs. Anybody ever seen a potato bug? <laughs> my grandfather had a garden a pretty big garden and he grew potatoes and on the potatoes there was bugs and so I was a real little kid and we had a little coffee can and we'd pick potato bugs and throw them in there so that it wouldn't eat the crops and so I just that's just a favorite memory of me or going into my grandfather's uh, wood shop and just smelling wood freshly sawn wood anybody else like that smell Mike I know you like smells you like that smell that's a good smell though <laughs> And so my grandfather, he would bring me a jar of sawdust to take home, you know, and so is neat. So we share a lot of different memories, you know, some are school, some are sports, some sawdust. What's one of your worst? I know I see that look, Hunter. It's like, well, I wasn't expecting this question. You have a bad childhood memory? You don't have to share it. But it's, it's interesting. Yeah, Oscar. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Stuck with you, huh? Cody. Yeah. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah, I can imagine. Anybody else? <laughs> the metal detector doesn't go off, so apparently the BBs aren't metal. But I remember, you know, you telling me about that often, getting shot by a BB uh, by your brother. So, yeah, we're very quick to generate our favorites, right? But it's kind of difficult to generate bad memory in our life and a lot of times when we're thinking of a bad memory there's emotions that come alongside of it but what i want us to really understand and realize is our past and our experiences in life they don't leave us they don't leave us 
oftentimes we just have to learn how to deal with them. We have to move forward with them. And what Satan would want to do is instead of focusing on our favorite childhood memories and moving us forward and happy and excitement, a Satan would want to do nothing more than to get us to dwell on those bad memories of life and to allow them to shape us, to tell us who he thinks we are, and to live in light of those bad memories. And so it's just interesting. You know, we're quick to understand where we grew up, quick to look at, okay, what's our favorite memory? But once we sort of put that spin on, what's a bad memory? There's like this negative emotion. Rightfully so, because a lot of times there's negativity in this bad memory. But as we go through tonight and the rest of this time, I want us to realize the fact that we're not defined by that bad memory. We are not defined by that past experience. We are defined, number one, by our relationship with Jesus Christ, and number two, by what we choose to be defined by. And we'll sort of extrapolate that here in a little bit. And so, all these memories, again, one thing we wanted to look at is there's a lot of differences that we share. And so I want to ask some other questions. What's the best sport out there? That was quick. I mean, we are in Alabama, right? War Eagle. <laughs> hockey. Okay. College football, hockey, any, what else? Who? Pickleball. What? Pickleball. Is that like the little leftover pickle in the jar? That's the, <laughs> like a meatball, a pickleball? Is that what those tennis courts are over in 17 Springs? I guess they like pickleball. I don't know. I've heard of cricket before. So, okay. Pickleball. Anybody else? Basketball, huh? You play basketball? We used to play basketball up here. You do that again. Okay. You play rugby, Gabe? <laughs> rugby has some neat openings, and they do the little haka dances and stuff. That is pretty cool. All right. Soccer for Bo. Alright, what about the women? What's the favorite sport? <laughs> okay. Volleyball? Volleyball is fun. We always play volleyball at the church picnic. We'll be doing that again in May. Any, any, uh, any others? Okay. What's the best genre of movie? Sci-fi. You were quick with that one, Mike. Sci-fi. Alien sci-fi or things that really don't exist sci-fi? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah. All right, sci-fi. What else? Huh? <laughs> That's a movie? Okay, documentary is a movie. What else? What else? <laughs> I will admit, Greatest Showman was pretty neat. You know, that was pretty neat. I, you know, tapped my foot to that one. Yeah, I didn't think I did. But Wolverine, you know, I like Wolverine. So, anybody else? What's favorite? Who? Spy. Okay. Espionage. No one said action yet. Where are you? Okay. Okay, good. I love the, huh? Kid movies? Yeah, like the old Disney stuff, right? Before it went woke and everything. Yeah. I like those movies that they're actually trying to be good and great actors, but they're really horrible and they have like a $15 budget. There's a movie out there called History of Future Folk. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. What person from the Bible... I'm sure many of us may have heard this question before. What person from the Bible do you think you relate to most? Anybody? Peter, why? Impulsive? Okay. Huh? Fired up, huh? Okay. Anybody else? Moses, why is that? Don't speak good. <laughs> Don't want to do it. <laughs> so we got your Aaron right there. <laughs> Pastor Mike, did I see your hand? Joshua. Why is that? 
Get stuff done. Yeah. Anybody else? I know a different season of life, you might relate to a different person for the Bible. I hate using the term character. When I think of the word character, I think of a video game or a movie with a fictitious person. Personally, I like the, their people, so people of the Bible. That's just my preference. But uh, So I imagine if you spend some time thinking about it, different season of your life, you might relate to a different person. But really what I want to draw out in all this is the fact that we have a lot of diversity. The fact that we are from different states, different countries, different towns, different childhood memories, people don't know what a potato bug is, different favorite genres of movies, all sorts of differences, right? But one of the first things I want us to really understand and wrap our heads around, which I know is very elementary, is the fact that God created every single one of us purposefully. And we owe our entire life, whether as a believer or an unbeliever, we owe our entire life and existence because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not decide to create. You and I would not be here. And so that's the very first thing as far as our being. Our state of existence is all due to the fact of God creating. The second thing I want us to look at as far as our being is we, are, we have our state of existence to know Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people think, you know, say, what is the chief ways of man? Uh, and I think it's out of the Westminster Confession where it says, uh, uh, know God and bring him glory, or something along those lines from the Westminster Confession, I believe. But what I would say is our chief way, the chief purpose of our existence, which we're going to extrapolate here, is to know God, make Him known. And if we make Him known, we will in essence glorify God. And if we know God, we will glorify God. And so the first part is we are purposely created not just to have fun, not just to survive like Pastor Mike was talking about earlier. We're created to thrive. The only way we thrive is if we know and so if every single one of us has breath in our lungs, then the sole purpose, right off the bat, or the first purpose of it, is so that we can know the creator of our life. We're told this in Acts 17.27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily or perhaps they might feel after him, and find him, though what? He be not very far from us. See, it doesn't matter of our failings, it doesn't matter of our fleshly tendencies, our worldly desires, what trips us, us in life. It doesn't matter how bad we grew up. It doesn't matter that we think we've committed so much sin or so much wrongdoing that God can never forgive us. It doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we seek Him. God's in the forgiving business. He's in the business of grace. This is what makes this is one of the many things that makes Christianity so much different from all the other world religions. Because all the other world religions you have to do to reach God. That you have to do to perform to have God. Christianity is the only one that says, You can't do anything. I've done it for you. There's a song by a group called Down Here. It's called How Many Kings. Normally a Christmas song. Basically it goes, how many kings would come off their throne for the people uh, that are serving that kingdom? You know? And so in essence, we look at the creator of the entire cosmos. Not only we owe our existence and our physical lives to him, but this individual allows a way for you and I to be reconciled and be in relationship with him for eternity. You see, I want to read some things that I wrote down verbatim because I think it's a little purposeful on why I wrote them the way he did. So Paul states here in Acts 17, emphatically that God is not far from us, that he desires relationship with us. And that's the beauty of this message. We're unified in the fact that none of us deserve the love of God. 
We are unified in the fact that none of us are worthy of the death of Jesus Christ for us. We are unified in the fact that none of us deserves the opportunity to receive the free gift of everlasting life. We are unified in the fact that none of us deserve to escape hell. None of us deserve the cross. But God, so loved the world, gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what I call unlimited grace. There's some, some people that want to teach, and again, we've been here before, that grace is limited. Or grace, you have to work for it to receive it. That is foreign to the Scripture. That grace naturally, well, oftentimes in Scripture, is unmerited favor. Now, there is times where Scripture does record God gives grace to the humble, so you have to be humble to receive grace. But when it's talked about in a salvific sense, it's always unmerited favor. None of us deserve everlasting life. All of us deserve everlasting death. But God loves all of us so much that if we would seek Him, that we can find Him. Our existence is to know God. You see, because Paul goes on in Acts 17, 30 and 31 where he says, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. There will come a point in time every single person will stand before Jesus Christ. And if we die without trusting in Jesus' provision on the cross, it's too late. We're separated for eternity from the goodness of God. You see, I, I, I've heard many people say, you know, we can say, okay, if, if we die without salvation, if we die never believing and receiving the free gift of everlasting life, we go to hell and we, we suffer eternal conscious torment. I don't, as strong as those words are, I don't think that paints a clear enough picture. If we die without putting our faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood on the cross for our sins as the only sacrifice to give us everlasting life? Think about this. Think about the hottest day in August in Alabama, Texas, or Arizona, being deployed to Kuwait and Qatar, being in the Middle East, 120 degree days. I know what it feels like to have 60 mile an hour winds and triple-digit heat blowing on you. I would rather have freezing wind, you know, negative, negative degrees. I've been in negative 26 with wind. I've been in 120 with wind. Being in 120 degrees with wind felt like somebody had a hair, hair blower, bow dryer pointed right at my face, and I could feel, seemed like I could just feel it burning. It was hot. They really get very hot over there. In a, and so, some people, they can deal with the hot. But imagine going through that, but never being able to go inside and get to the air conditioning. Never being able to turn on a fan, cooling it off. Or, if we die without trusting in Jesus as our Savior, we have no hope. Think about that. Think of what hope is. There's been times in our life where it felt hopeless. We had a bill, a debt that we could not pay. There was no way we could pay this debt off. And even though there was no way we could pay that debt off, there's still a small fraction of hope. Maybe I inherit some money. Maybe I get a scratch-off ticket. There's a tiny shred of hope. Or maybe I got to pass a class for college and there is no way I'm going to pass this class. There's no hope whatsoever. But you might accidentally get some of the questions right. Might accidentally get a right score. Who knows, maybe the professor gives a curve and that bumps your grade up and you pass 
that exam. You see, this side of the dirt, there's always hope. No matter if you're a believer or not, there's hope to overcome debt. There's hope to overcome poor grades in college or any of these things. The moment we take our last breath, all hope fades. There is no hope of changing our residency at that time. And if we die without Christ, we will live in a state of continual hopelessness. If you've ever been in a period of your life where you felt hopeless, I can't get out of this. That's what it's like to be separated from God for eternity. And there is never any shred of hope. Get out of that. You see, amidst our differences, not only do we owe our life and our breath and our mere existence to Jesus Christ, also amongst our differences, Jesus Christ loves us so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross that if we just believe that we could have everlasting life, then that hope transforms to expectation. And now when we die, we expect to go to heaven. We expect to have everlasting life because that's what the Word of God promises. No longer do we have to fear hopelessness. Now we just get to rejoice in expectation what glory looks like. And so that's the second thing we should all be unified around. You see, God desires to give each of us everlasting life if we simply believe. And that's all because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. None of us deserve it, but he offers it freely, whosoever. Not only our existence, not only the fact that Jesus loves us so much to offer life for us, not only to know, but is to make Jesus known. That is the purpose of the Christian. If we're not a Christian, we can try to make Jesus known, but it's of no benefit to yourself. If we're not a Christian, we have got to know Jesus first. Once we know Jesus, then we can make Him known. And that brings glory to God. You see, play a quick game. Where am I from? We have a list of food items up here, right? What state, you just blurted out, what state or region of the country do you believe potatoes are from? Where are potatoes most popular at? Docs? Wow, we're unified on that one, huh? Alright, what about cheese? What about peanuts? Ooh, we're all silent now. Georgia, any others? Alabama? Okay. What about beans? Mexico? <laughs> Let's be more specific. What about baked beans? Huh? Tennessee? Massachusetts? Alright. What about lobster? What about Oklahoma? Well, sorry. Missouri? Well, why Maine or Alaska? <laughs> Water, duh. <laughs> when I looked it up, this is where I was seeing where these were popular at. Idaho potatoes, obviously, Wisconsin cheese. Georgia is the number one producer of peanuts in the country. Did not know that. Beans from Boston. Boston liked beans, apparently. It's funny, I heard a joke a long time ago. It was like they were doing sort of like an NFL draft, you know, which, which state or city, pick your food item. What do you want to have associated with you? And so Philadelphia was on the clock. Philadelphia was like, we got the cheesecake. Chicago was on the clock. We got the pizza. You know, all these other cities come up. Boston, you're on the clock. You're like, we got beans. <laughs> we got beans. So apparently beans are from Boston. Lobster, I was like, y'all, you know, Alaska, Maine, where you get some good seafood. I love crab. You see, when we think of these food items, we think of them and they're like 
normal, boring, original self, right? Man, you spend some time, you can make some good stuff with those things. Boiled peanut. I've never had them. Lived in the South for a while. Never had boiled peanuts. How many people have boiled peanuts? Okay. Man. Are they that good? Yeah. Does it matter what you boil them in? I'm, water, duh, but salt and water. Okay. Okay. All right. Loaded baked potato. That's really the only way I'll eat like an actual potato. You know, I eat french fries and chips, but I found out recently I love lobster and, and scallop linguine. I don't like pasta, but we were out there in South Carolina and I had that scallop and lobster linguine. Mmm. It was delicious. My favorite side item on burgers or with burgers, maple cured bacon beans. That's good. That is good. You see, I'm not going to talk about macaroni and cheese. It'll be like mac and cheese. But <laughs> just what I want you to understand is just because of what they were doesn't mean that's what they have to be. Just because of where you and I are from, just because of the past experiences we have in life, doesn't mean we can't be something greater. We might just be a potato that someone's coming along picking off potato bugs. But if we allow some sort of external influence to come into our life, we can be turned into a loaded baked potato. Or a scallop and lobster wing. What? But the point is, we don't have to be defined by what the world says we are. We can be defined by what Jesus Christ says we are, and if we allow Jesus Christ to work in us and through us, then Jesus Christ can create us to be something better to serve someone greater. And that's what it's all about. He can take your broken past. He can take your prodigal life, your times of rebellion. He can take your infidelity the trials and the struggles that you and I go through, He can take all of that and He can use it for His purpose and to affect another person, to help another person. If I haven't struggled with what you struggled with, I might be able to give some wisdom and some counsel from Scripture, but if I haven't walked those shoes, I may be limited on how much I can effectively help and minister to you. But if you find somebody that's walked the same struggle, walked the same burden, carries the same weight as you and overcame, they can help you so much greater than what I can. The problem is, is when we get the idea that I'm too broken. I'm not wise enough. Oh, because of my past, then nobody want to listen to me. That's the problem that devil wants to give us. God can take all of our differences, all of our shortcomings, use it for His purpose and for others if we let Him. The whole reason why I love trying to do series on community, the whole purpose of why I wanted to put the Men's Forge together is so that we can learn to be vulnerable to those that we trust and have earned our trust. Not to be vulnerable with everybody, but to find where are these men with the forge that we can be close enough with and trust enough that I can be vulnerable with and say, I'm struggling with this. And I know you struggle with it too, and you seem to have overcome it. Can you help me overcome this? And God will take your troubled past for his glory to help that person. If you let them. And that's key. You see, it's all because of God's grace. This first part, really, I wanted to just drive home for tonight, as far as this series is concerned, is we've got to start at the basics. We've got to start at the foundation. Why do we exist? Number one, we exist not because stars gave birth and we're products of stardust, like Lawrence Krauss wants to articulate. No. We exist because Jesus Christ purposely created this universe, this cosmos, and you and I. And he created us for two purposes. Know him and to make him known. By doing that, 
He gets the glory and the people get the benefit. That's our sole purpose of existence. And I would love to take this thought as we go through the next five weeks of this ing series, as we're looking at other verbs that we're going to have a continual state of uh, action, knowing, okay, how does this fit? Do I know Jesus personally? Have I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior? That God, I know I deserve hell, eternal separation from you. But because you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me, I'm going to trust in his sacrifice to provide me everlasting life. And if we become a child of God through the gospel message, then we move to that second step and how do we make him known? Pastor Mike said this morning, you know, you get a commandment from God. He's commanding us to do something. Don't just sit idly by. Yes, evangelism is vitally important, but discipleship is vitally neglected. We need people to help minister and encourage other people. That's another way to make Jesus known. You see, amongst our differences, I really want to close it with this. This is an elementary school that I grew up going to. This is Francis T. Evans Middle School. I went to this uh, middle school. It was right by Andrews Air Force Base in Clinton and spent many years there. While I was in elementary school, we had competing other elementary schools. You know, once you sort of make, make your ways up, whether you're in choir or band, I don't remember if there were sports teams at the time, but you sort of have competitions, school competitions, right? You're competing against other elementary schools. Well, I graduated elementary school and went to Stephen Decatur, my middle school. And so the elementary school was made up of a whole lot of kids. You had a lot of different elementary schools. But then once you go to middle school, a middle school might absorb like two or three elementary schools. And so now your former competition is now part of your team, at least on the middle school level. So we go middle school, 7th and 8th grade. I was there at Stephen Decatur. We had our rivals as well, other middle schools, right? But then I graduate and I move on to 9th grade and I go to Surrattsville High School in Clinton. And again, a high school will absorb a couple of middle school. And so now your competition of middle school, now you're classmates together in high school. And so you see how we sort of started in elementary school, a lot of competition. Then we go to middle school, now the competition sort of dies down a little bit, now we're sort of a bigger team. And then you go to high school, and now everybody you used to hate, now you're all the same school, right? And same mascot. This is the same thing I want to get at with us. You see, when we become a Christian, we graduate from that middle school and we go into, if you will, this high school. That we come from all sorts of walks of life. We're from different elementary schools. We spent times in different middle schools. But then when we become a Christian, we're a part of this larger high school. Seven, eight hundred students there, whatever the case is. But then once you want to take your faith seriously, once you want to actually try to live your faith actively, and, and I'm going to say it, when you make Jesus Lord of your life or discipleship, now you're graduating high school going into the university with Jesus Christ as the dean, the president. And unfortunately, what happens is a lot of people stay in high school and they don't graduate to go to seminary to go ahead and have Jesus Lord of their life, to go ahead and try to actively live this thing called faith and try to be discipled and find people to disciple and to try to make Jesus known. A lot of times we just stay in the high school. Jesus is waiting for us in the seminary saying, come on, I want to go ahead and develop you, send you out. You see, though we all come from different walks of life, we have different struggles. Some people like sci-fi, some people like documentary movies, whatever that is. You see, we become children of God. All those differences are secondary. 
doesn't matter that we might disagree with somebody on this subject or that subject or this decision or that decision. We are all on the same team, serving the same Lord and serving the same Master for the same purpose. Oh God, make Him known. And that's what I wanted to get across this first session. Is our being, our existence, solely that. As Christians, we are here to make Jesus Christ known. And that's what every single one of us should be unified around. So while this week, Satan will probably try to trip you up. Say, so remember when this person at the church did that? Or this person over here said that? He's going to try to trip us up and cause division and schism inside the body of Christ. But that's where we got to figure out, we still in middle school? We still in high school? Or are we in seminary at this point? And remain committed to the unity that we have, even though we're very diverse, have difference of opinion. So, does that make sense? Yeah? So, let us pray. God, I thank you just for... Uh, just tonight's message, and Lord, I just pray for all of us with our experiences, with our upbringings, with our seasons of life that haven't been great. Lord, we just trust that you can use that for your glory and for others' benefit. So God, whatever stage of life we're in right now, I pray that you would just give us the gumption to go ahead and either know you, to make you known in whatever way that needs to happen i pray that the spirit would just move on us and give us the encouragement the equipping the burden to go ahead and do these things so lord as we're going through this series on unity i know that the adversary is going to try to trip us up and bring a schism into the body but lord i pray that you just uh, allow us to stay focused on the sole purpose of why we exist know you make you known so, Lord, never allow that to escape our forefront. Allow us to be unified as a local body of Open Door Baptist Church to get this message out. Thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.